You are listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast with pet business coach Kristen Morrison, episode number five. Welcome to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast, where it's all about pet business challenges, real coaching, and real solutions to help you thrive in your pet business and in your life. And now, here's your host, pet business coach, Kristen Morrison. Hi, everyone. So this episode is a bit different from some of the others, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about it before it begins. So today you're going to be hearing an interview segment from the Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference. And last year I interviewed Victoria Stilwell for the podcast, and we talked about dogs and communicating with dogs. And if you aren't familiar with who Victoria Stilwell is, you're in for a treat and you'll find out in just a bit. And as pet business owners, as you probably know, it can be challenging to communicate with dogs in their language. And yet it's so important if you want to have a healthy and happy relationship with your dog or the dogs that you're caring for. So In this interview, you're going to learn how to best communicate with the dogs that you work with and with your own dogs. And just a heads up, so you all know, I interviewed Victoria when she was in the UK and I was in the United States, and the connection at times was a little spotty, so you might hear some garbled audio occasionally on her end, especially toward the end. And I really encourage you to bear through it as this interview is so worth listening to until the end. And I really hope you enjoy it. Hi, everyone. I am Kristen Morrison. I am the founder of Six Figure Pet Business Academy and the creator of the Prosperous Pet Business Online Conference. And it is such a pleasure to have Victoria Stillwell here today. She is an author, she's a dog trainer, she's an Animal Planet hostess, and it's just such a pure delight to have you here, Victoria. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. Pleased to be here. Yeah, and I know you've been doing a lot of traveling, so it just means so much to me, and I know the viewers, to have you take time out of your super busy schedule to be here. So I'm just going to dive right in. We're going to be talking about dog behavior and communicating with dogs. So let's start with why is there such a deep connection between dogs and people? Well, dogs have been hanging out with us for thousands and thousands of years. And the sort of the natural process of evolution, the reason why they've been so successful is because dogs are very adaptable Mm -hmm. and to be successful you have to be adaptable if you don't evolve you become extinct so dogs naturally are great problem solvers and therefore learned various ways on how to survive humans Mm -hmm. and over the years humans have selected the dogs that are most easy to live with And as more and more dogs have been bred, selective breeding have created dogs that are more in tune on living with humans. And so for thousands of years, this relationship has grown to the point where we are now. We have so many different kinds of breeds of dogs and where we know so much more about these amazing animals Mm -hmm. and where I think we really have the most incredible connection. Because if you think about it, both species are predators. It's quite amazing that 
these species, especially humans, which are the most dangerous species on the planet, have formed such a great relationship with each other. I think very smart of dogs as well, because, you know, they have formed now this attachment with people that really could have helped their demise. So I think that's quite smart. Mm, that is such a good point. I, I didn't think about that, about dogs being predators, people being predators, and the fact that we come together. That is such a, a beautiful thing. And I was also reflecting on how, you know, to survive in business, you have to be adaptable too. So dogs can really teach us <laughs> a lot about business <laughs> through being adaptable. It's great. So I remember hearing about the dog who knew, I think it was something like 250 words. And tell me, Victoria, how can dogs do this? And how come some dogs can do this and some can't? And the process of thought and language behind the dogs that can. Yeah, um, that was Rico. I think the dog you were talking about, Rico is a Border Collie, um, who's now since passed. But uh, Chaser, obviously, is a Border Collie who still can do that. And in fact, I think knows upward of 2,000 words. And it does seem, and I don't want to upset anybody out there that doesn't have a Border Collie, because I believe that every dog has a degree of intelligence. But it just seems like the Border Collies, because they were bred to what to do what they were they're supposed to do, and because they're such great working dogs, do have a specific kind of intelligence that makes them the Einsteins of the dog world. Wow, I love that. Yeah, and um, and so they just have this huge retentive memory and this ability to associate the shape of words with different objects. But they also have the ability to reason, to think outside the box, to imagine a solution even if they can't see an answer. And that's why is so good because reasoning, we humans do it, but dogs can also do it. Reasoning is the process. When you see that there's a problem, you can't see an answer to it. And as I said, you have to imagine a solution. So not only does Chaser know that the different words to different objects, for example, if there's a new object and she's told to go find the new object, she can find the new object amongst all the other objects. She has that reasoning ability to be able to do that. And reasoning is a really important part of problem solving. So these border collies that know that amount of words have amazing retentative and problem solving abilities that make them, I think, sort of the ambassadors of actually how intelligent these dogs are. Mm, that's incredible. And so for the viewers who don't know, is that your dog that you're talking about? No, no. Chaser belongs to a lovely man, and I've forgotten what his name is. If you go to, he, there was just a wonderful book that was written about, uh, I think it's the dog that knows a thousand words or something. If you Google it, go find it. It's about how this amazing gentleman trained his dog to do this, but also how he really discovered her ability. Um, and again, through just motivation and giving her a great environmental enrichment that this dog just showed an amazing ability to learn. Wow, that's incredible. And so besides that particular dog and some of the very smart dogs, are most dogs, you know, I've heard it said that most dogs are like two-year-old kids. Is that true? 
Well, yes, it is true. And if you think about it, I mean, that's what we say, that dogs have the abilities, the thought processes, the ability to solve problems like a two-year-old child. Um, of course, they have so much more that makes them all dog. Mm -hmm. um, but if you were comparing them to humans, adult dogs would be compared to children. And that's why it's important to treat these dogs with respect and kindness and be humane. But, for example, let's just take one example, um, intention reading. Young, very young babies can learn to read intentions very quickly. So, for example, if a mom looks at a certain object or points to a certain object, then the baby looks at the mother and will look to where the mother is looking and to look to, to where the mother is pointing. And that's intention reading. She's, the, the baby is reading the mother's intentions. Dogs do that too. So there are so many similarities between dogs and infants. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't want to get too wrapped up in the fact that, oh, every dog is just a two-year-old child because dogs have so many more abilities that take them beyond even kind of our human capabilities. That is well said. Very true. And so I want to talk a little bit about aggression because a lot of pet business owners deal with that, a lot of dog trainers, pet sitters, dog walkers. And are dogs aggressive uh, toward humans so that they can be alpha or leader of the pack? Yeah, I don't know who came up with that one. That's sort of a very flawed theory that's pervaded uh, the whole idea of dog training for many, many years. And unfortunately, it's kind of taken this word as law now. And it's, it's just a huge myth because observation, yeah, might show dogs are being dominant over us. And then, of course, the human way of thinking is, oh, if a dog is dominating me, or if a dog is behaving badly, then he's trying to assume rank over me. He's trying to be alpha. He's to be my pack leader. Well, actually, dogs don't think like that. I mean, it really takes a really advanced form of cognitive process to be forward thinking enough to do that. And because a dog's cerebral cortex, thinking brain, is not as involved as ours, is not as complex as ours, they don't have that ability to think like that. So humans have created this wonderful myth around these dogs that if your dog misbehaves, it's trying to become alpha and pack leader which is just ridiculous because they don't have the ability to do that. Yeah. I'm not doing dogs down. It's just, they just don't. So the reason why this is also very, very sad that a lot of people buy into this myth is that it does promote confrontational relationships between people and their animals because, hey, you're trying to dominate me. You're trying to become alpha and pack leader over me. You know what? I'm going to stop that and I'm going to dominate you. Yeah, And then that causes confrontation yep. and that causes insecurity and destroys trust and exacerbates aggressive response. And then you are on a slippery slope. So I implore people out there, throw away the dominance myth into the trash can and leave it where it belongs. Dogs can be dominant. Yes, social dominance is really important for a species 
to connect with each other, but not in a way that humans perceive it. We like to ascend rank because rank means power and it means better social standing. And mm-hmm. but for dogs, they just don't think in the way that we do. Uh huh. That's great. And. You know, what were some of the subtle signs of aggression? Because a lot of people who work with dogs, myself included, know the very outward, you know, obvious signs that maybe people who don't work with dogs might not know. But what about those subtle signs of aggression? How can we read those? What are some of those signs? They can be very, very tricky to see. And what I'm looking for is stillness. What I'm looking for is less overt because we can all read the bare teeth and the snarling and the barking and lunging and the hackles rising. We can all read that. But what's harder to see is the microfreeze, that little freeze that happens just before a dog might go. And it could be very, very quick. But I do look for stillness. I look for body tension. I look for signals, for example, that the dog is uncomfortable, a head turn, an eye turn. Dog turns its body weight, practice avoidance, a lip lick, things that, or a yawn, things that people might think mean something else, but actually in this context means that the dog is uncomfortable. Those are the signs you have to be looking for. Want to take what you're learning from the podcast and begin to apply it in your own pet business so you can see powerful results? The Pet Business Online Course Learning Platform can help you do that. You'll find instant access courses that can help you launch or grow your pet business starting right now. You can watch, listen, and learn from the courses right now or whenever works best for you and from wherever you are at in the world. The How to Start Your Pet Sitting and Dog Walking Business in 7 Days online course gives you step-by-step instruction and comprehensive tools to help you launch your own pet care business and get paying clients in just one week. The four-week Pet Business Catapult program provides a weekly comprehensive plan to help you create systems and strategies so you can work on your business instead of in your business. You'll also learn exactly what you need to find, hire, and train quality staff and attract high-paying, profitable clients. With these classes and the many other online classes you'll find on the course platform, you can take your pet business to a new level of growth and success starting right now. Go to PetBusinessCourses.com. That's PetBusinessCourses.com or use the online learning platform link in the show notes page to start transforming your pet business right now. You'll find many classes for all your business needs, including how to get your website higher on the search engines and how to use Facebook marketing to grow your pet business, plus many others. New courses are added monthly. These online courses provide solutions and actionable steps so you can quickly take your business to a new level of growth and profitability. And you'll receive your courses in less than 60 seconds after ordering. To find out more, go to PetBusinessCourses.com. So should we as dog owners or pet business owners be punishing aggression? How, How can we best deal with that? I understand people who do punish aggressive dogs. I mean, I understand it because it's the absolute human nature. You're aggressive to something, you've got to be told off. And so I don't berate anybody for doing it. However, you're not making the situation any better by doing it. Because there's a lot of reasons why dogs are aggressive. Aggression really, if you're looking at the definition, sort of the definition of aggression is to increase distance. Mm -hmm. So to 
utilize your own behavior to be able to increase distance from a threat. So either to you get yourself away from a threat or you get the threat to go away from you by using threat displays. But doll also be aggressive or have aggressive response if they're in pain. If you touch somewhere that causes them pain. Or, you know, people say that if a dog kills an animal, it's a predatory dog. That's predatory aggression. But actually, I call it predatory behavior because I don't believe that actual predatory behavior is actually aggression. Sounds a little strange, but sort of the scientific definition of it. So, so there are many reasons why your dog could be showing aggression. And it could be a dominance thing. It could be fear. And that's what mostly I see. Dogs are fearful or highly insecure. So when you're punishing that highly insecure dog, you're actually making that insecurity even worse. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it instills fear in them. And I would imagine, yeah, it would create even more aggression. They're going to react to that. Yeah, and that's my problem when people do utilize punitive techniques. Either they restrain them or they use shock collars on them or prong collars and cause pain. I think that's unskilled handling. Again, I understand it because, you know, what else do I do? But it's unskilled handling as in it makes the situation work. And you might see a slight change of behavior at that point because pain or fear will suppress behavior for that moment however you haven't changed the way the dog feels inside right so that behavior is going to happen again down the line doesn't change it in the long term maybe in the very very short term and what's the best way then to handle an aggressive dog first of all when i go in any consultation that a dog is being aggressive and i deal a lot with aggressive dogs is that i will always make sure that they have a full medical checkup so that and i'm not just talking taking it to the vet i mean yes take it to the vet have a thyroid panel done so you can see if there's any thyroid issues make sure that there's no sort of structural issues with the dogs sometimes if you take it to a canine masseuse to try and um or work out if there are any kind of orthopedic issues or muscular issues that kind of thing because so many dogs that i've seen that have aggression issues have, are just uncomfortable or in pain. You go to the home and you just see they're walking funny. Now, the owner might not know it, but one of the vertebrae kind of looks a little squiffy or that's the reason why. But if your dog is reacting to other dogs or to strangers coming in, then that's mo- more like the fact that either the dog's unsocialized, it's had a traumatic experience, doesn't know how to cope with the situation, it's fearful of the situation. And if that's the case, then I work on making the dog more confident. And that doesn't mean dominating it until it calmly submits to me, which again is another ridiculous myth. It means truly understanding why the behavior is occurring and working with the behavior. And I do that by what I call habituation. And habituation is gradually exposing the dog to something that it fears and a distance where it can cope. Pairing that experience with something really, truly wonderful that the dog loves and then shortening the distance so the dog's always feeling comfortable. And I do it slowly. And I think that's why aggression is so difficult to work with because people don't have the time to do it. Do you know in studies that are just done that actually when you go in to train people in their homes, that they actually can only retain 10 minutes of information per hour? Wow. 10 minutes of information per hour. 
Amazing. And people just don't have the time to do it. Yeah, that may, yeah, literally and figuratively. And so can all aggressive dogs be rehabilitated, Victoria? Or are there some dogs that you believe just can't be rehabilitated? You know, it's interesting because I see every dog as an individual and regardless of breed, I don't care about the breed, um, but I see every problem as an individual and I deal with dogs across the spectrum. So I don't know whether you know this, but, you know, I go into families' homes and deal with aggressive dogs. So, yes, I've worked with all of them across the spectrum. And I would say this, you have to look at context at why the dog aggressed, what happened, what the history is and why potentially that bite, that mauling, or that something worse happened. And it's not always as clean cut as you think. So I would say in my experience, yes, there are some dogs that are very dangerous and whatever, because they've been neglected or poorly handled or abused or they're just genetically like that, cannot live safely with human beings very few but there have been maybe five dogs in my career of 20 years that i've said i don't agree uh, i mean i don't think that this i think this dog needs to be euthanized um and with the best intentions there are people out there who say no dog should ever be put down or i can rehabilitate any dog that's just not reality that's reckless that's irresponsible and have the dog come and live in your home with your children yeah <laughs> before you say that exactly so while i want to give every dog the chance and every person the chance i also feel like we have a duty of care to kids to families and to other dogs as well and other animals to protect them mm -hmm. I agree so any other tips behavioral tips um a lot of the people that are at the conference are dealing with different kinds of dogs and uh, a lot of dog trainers are on. Are there any other, you know, how to handle dogs tips that you have for, for those viewers? Yes. To be a good trainer, you always need to be learning. So uh, read the latest vet journals, the latest behavior journals, because the whole there's the explosion of not just behavioral science, but cognitive animal science, where we're finding so much more about these animals. So we're learning things all the time. Mm -hmm. And so for things like that, be really important. Be positive, be humane. You know, we have to, have to get away from this whole idea that you have to dominate your dog in order to get your dog to behave. You know, we're in the 21st century now. Let's not live in medieval times anymore. And, you know, be humane because you're going to get success from that. I mean, again, we're, we're the humans. We have the power to choose. I can choose whether I want to use a shock collar or whether I don't now. But I really think, you know, if we ask our dogs, I think I know what they're going to choose. And they're not going to choose the shock. Right. So work with the dog. These animals have the amazing abilities. They have amazing memories. Mm -hmm. Great reasoning skills, great communicative skills. They're highly intelligent, highly evolved. Let's evolve with them. Yeah, that's what I think my biggest tip would be. That's fantastic. I love that. And yeah, remembering that these are incredible creatures that we are so fortunate to get to work with, to share our lives with. I mean, they have so much to teach us, especially about unconditional love. You know, 
just pure love. Yeah, they do. And, you know, people could see us and go, oh, from the Family Dog Project in, in Budapest and Hungary. This man is amazing. We're working on a TV show together. And he is, you know, that the science, the improvements that science are making in our understanding is just phenomenal. And so that's why, for example, myself is to treat with kindness. So it's not just being the kooky, it would be lovely if we love our animals, because we know that animals do love us. They have the same release of the same kind of hormones when we love somebody. They have the same hormones for when they love somebody. So beautiful. So I'm just really delighted to have had you here today, Victoria. Thank you so much. And I know that you have a dog training academy. I'd love to let the viewers know a little bit more about that and how they can find out about that on the web. Yes. I'm very excited about it. We are in the process and we are nearly ready to open our doors for the Victoria Stillwell Dog Training Academy. And we are wanting to take people who want to become dog trainers and want to become really good dog trainers. We are going to take them on a journey and give them the latest, the best information. We have some of the most brightest minds in the dog world and the animal behavior world and cognitive world on our board we have incredible teachers and we are hoping that people will learn and create a great business as you know all about creating a great business it's not just about liking dogs is it no it's about dealing with people and marketing and so how can they find out about that what's the website um, if they want to find out more about it, they can go to positively.com. We're going to have more information out there as well. Wonderful, Victoria. Thank you so much for your time and energy. I really, really appreciate it. And your expertise. And it's just been fascinating to find out more about dogs today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Take good care. Bye. Bye. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I have some goodies for you in the show notes. And to find them, you can go to prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast five, the number five. Again, that's prosperouspetbusiness.com forward slash podcast five. Also, at the bottom of the podcast page, you can leave comments or suggestions for future topics. I read all the comments, and I so love hearing from you. It's so fun to know that you're actually listening. <laughs> you know, I kind of record these every week, and, and to know that you're listening is just really fun. And I, I know you're listening through the comments that you leave, so thank you so much. And I want to thank those of you who have already left comments and also to those of you who will be leaving comments and topics in the future. So you can simply scroll down to the bottom of the page and you'll see the section where you can post your comments. And I wish you such a wonderful day. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Prosperous Pet Business Podcast. It would be great if you would take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes. For any questions, comments, or pet business coaching topics you would like to hear on future podcasts, please visit us at www.prosperouspetbusiness.com or www.sixfigurepetbusinessacademy.com.